Like maybe I should just launch a career working for Sky Sports Spain, pretend that I know about the Premier League <laughs> instead of just coming across as bitter about someone as limited as Balagi having a career in football. And I, and I think I could do it as well. You can imagine me sitting there now, just Gerard Esuncanio. Perfect. <laughs> what does Conio mean? Cult. <laughs> <laughs> Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal. <laughs> Which he accepted with one proviso. Good evening. Good evening. Amidst all the noise and the euphoria of the last few days, buried beneath the electricity of Arne Danks' tricky villains, Beneath the excitement of Unai Emery being appointed, the trophy collection, the fire in his belly coming back to haunt Arsenal, the Twitter clips doing the rounds, it's all gold, but there was one poor, quiet, concerned voice in the corner in the middle of this riot, this positive riot on Twitter, and they reached out to us, and it said, I fear all the Oller Villa podcasts are a little bit over-optimistic. You guys will keep us in lane. I'm sure of it. <laughs> well, be prepared because I am taking us off the road. I'm taking us through the cycle lane. I'm taking us into the bumpy hills of optimism. We are not in lane. We are not on the road. You and I, Emery, is the manager, and I am sorry. I'm not going to keep us in lane right now because it has been a long time since Villa have appointed a manager of such pedigree. Look, I get it. I get that. It's concerning. We support Aston Villa. How many times do we have to be gut punched before we learn our lesson? We've 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 been here before. We've we've had good times before, and they're always followed by crushing disappointment. So I completely understand if you want to stay in lane. I'm just saying, not today. Not with the Villa podcast. Not with me, because you know what? I'm going through. I'm going through the arcades of you and I, Emery, and I like what I see. I I really like it. You know, I was told. That he failed at Arsenal. That's what they told me. And then I went and looked at it. I said, hang on, did he, did he really fail? Did he really fail? Let me just go back to the season before Unai Emery came in. I was just Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger, geez, he wanted him out for a long time. Sixth place, 63 points. Jeez, what happened then? Unai Emery came in. Fifth place, 70 points. Two points off the third place behind Chelsea. Europa League final. And then next year, maybe, maybe, maybe they're better off now. Look at Mikel Arteta. Mikel Arteta's flying next season. 56 points. And then they come at me to say, yeah, well, you and I, Emery, fucked up the start of that season. So let's let's give Arteta the full season in 2021. 61 points, 8th place. 21-22, 69 points, 5th place. Look, look where we are three seasons later. We're back in 5th, a point less. Not as many goals scored, by the way than what Unai Emery's tricky arsenal did. The defensive, pragmatic Unai Emery. Oh no, this boy's been doing it for a long time and Mikel Arteta is in his fourth season trying to catch up on what Unai Emery did with Arsenal in one season. I am sorry, we are way off the lane right now. <laughs> yeah, and, and relax. There'll be plenty of time to call Unai Emery a cunt later down the line. <laughs> and, and that time, that time will definitely come. Like, don't worry about that. There's... There's no need to panic because you, you know what you know what us Villa fans are like. We're fucking we're delusional. We're toxic. We're we're too big for our boots. Like you know we, we think 
we think playing nauseating football at the foot of the table isn't good enough. Like we're demanding exhilarating football and just nausea or vertigo for being top of the table. So don't worry. There will be plenty of time to call the NIM account. That'll come and that'll come from the Villa podcast. <laughs> One thing you can be guaranteed, when he starts acting like a cunt, we will point our fingers <laughs> and say it. And we'll say, we should have seen it all along. He should have seen it all along. He should have known better. But um, no, it is exciting. I, I'm trying to think, is it... I think you go back and the first name you think of straight away is Jared Hillier. So when he came in, it was like, well, there was a manager with pedigree. There was a manager who had been there and done it and had big jobs and did pretty well in those jobs. Obviously, that regime came with stipulations and he got sick and he, he couldn't see it through and whatever else. So it wasn't really the the hype, I suppose, that we thought it was going to be. Um, Martin O'Neill, before that, I still remember 2006, the amount of people that landed down to Villa Park as he was being unveiled. And I still remember it. I don't know if I saw it on, it must have been on the news at the time, but the chance of the Villa fans, are you watching Birmingham? <laughs> because it was like, <laughs> we had actually gone out and just hired a manager who was successful in every job that he had been up to that stage, I suppose. And and like, yeah, it was it was guaranteed that he was going to take Villa in a certain direction. And he did, in fairness to him, like we're not going to get into the nuances of Martin O'Neill's regime now, that's for another time. <laughs> but, but now we've gone out and got Unai Emery and this is after... This is after turning to Alex McLeish and Tim Sherwood and Paul Lambert and Steve Bruce. And you go through the list. It's not as impressive as this. And you know what the mad thing is? He's only 50 years of age. He's only 50. I thought this boy has been around the block that long. He must be pushing on. He is ready to go with a point to prove. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, there would be no other reason for him to leave the job that he was doing at Villarreal as well. Things were going well for him there. And... Yeah, it's great. It's great that he felt the need to come back. It's great that we had the clout and the power, obviously backed up by the Premier League as well, to be able to bring him in. But Jesus Christ, if a man with his background is coming to prove a point as well, sure, that only bodes well. Yeah. he. Um. So he, I know I was talking about Stephen Gerrard the last day, but I want that to be understood, that I meant that this wasn't right for Stephen Gerrard. You and I, Emery, wears a shirt and tie on game day. And I, like... <laughs> I think it sort of suits him because like that's the type of character he is. He is a bit more formal. He gets in the tracksuit on the training days and he looks good there, but he also doesn't look out of place in the shirt and tie. And like I'm saying, he's only 50. So if I'm seeing him four or five years ago in the Arsenal job and I'm thinking the shirt and tie looks right, I'm not looking at him there like a 45-year-old. I'm looking at him like somebody who just should be wearing a shirt and tie. It fits him well. And that's that's, that's the only point I had with Steven Gerrard. It wasn't him. It's not... It's not Steven Gerrard. It's, it's certainly something he has to think about about being a coach going forward. Like, what do I want to be? And you and I, Emery, I think is comfortable with his with his clue selection. Yeah, I'm getting flashbacks at the time here. You were slagging off Gareth Southgate for turning up to Villa Park in a suit, and I just said, I think that might be the man you're playing there, Colin. That might be the fact that you just dislike Gareth Southgate. So no matter what he wore. <laughs> you were going to be against it. And similarly with Steven Gerrard, and now in the opposite way, what no matter what Unai Emery wears, you're going to be all for it at this stage. But, you know, I, I think you're right. You're at work now. You're not lounging around the house. Get that fucking trackie off. Have a bit of self-respect. A bit of respect for the fans, for the club. Get that lovely, deep, claret tie around your neck. It'll come in handy in about six months as a noose as well, by which stage we'll almost certainly have turned on you. So it's... <laughs> It's probably, it's important from a PR perspective as well to try and clean up the image of the club, you know, as the figurehead now, 
it's Emery's responsibility to get rid of this knuckle dragging reputation that Villa fans have for being bloodthirsty and trying to get the managers out as soon as possible. I did go back to look at the Arsenal because I think it's annoying me now, like the the narrative that's being put out there in the mainstream media, just that this guy can't cut it in the Premier League because he, he did pretty okay. He, he did better than the manager before him and the manager after him was the team he got in the one season he got, but uh, as if we should be holding that over his head now, you know, and ignore Valencia and ignore Sevilla and ignore Villarreal. So we went back and looked at that Arsenal team that he had. Leno and Nets, Bellerin right back, Mustafi centre back, Papas Tatopoulos centre back, Monreal left back, Terrera, Xhaka midfield, Mikatarian, Ozil, Iwobi, Aubameyang up top. This is the most common team that he had throughout that season. This is the team that he scored 73 goals, I think, with the third most in the Premier League. And this is a team he took to 70 points. And like I say, Arsenal have yet to get back to 70 points. And he did it with that team. I'm not having the disrespect of Emery's time at Arsenal. And I tell you what I do like about it as well is the 22-game unbeaten run in the middle of that season. I tell you what, can you imagine Villa with a bit of consistency? I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting so excited, I'm not going to lie. That is fucking. That is an absolutely atrocious team, especially when you consider they started every game with the risk of being down to nine men, because <laughs> Ozo had retired at that stage and Jacka was getting sent off once every two games. I assume that fucking back four. What did you say? Bellerin, Mustafi, Papastafopoulos, and Monreal. Fuck yeah. me, that's dreadful. And Awobi, centre midfielder, Awobi on the left wing. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we should judge Emery for not seeing that a movie was so obviously a centre midfielder. <laughs> yeah, another plus in the Frank Lampard column. I'll have to keep an eye on that one. It's been fun slagging off Frank Lampard, but yeah, watch this space, I'd say. <laughs> anyway, we'll take a break and we'll come back with some award categories. Mike Ashley has turned Newcastle into a discount sports company and appointed a discounted bargain basket manager. Glenn Roder, Kenny Dogalish, Sam Allardyce, and Steve Bruce. <laughs> what a fucking parade of cavemen. Like, that is the only reason Andy Carroll is a professional buffalo. Only Steve Bruce and Neil Warnock have got promoted more times than Mick McCarthy. That's not even a good stat because the good managers kept their teams up <laughs> and then progressed their careers. <laughs> Dean Smith will never get another team promoted from the championship because he won't be there. <laughs> Brendan Rodgers won't get another team promoted from the championship because he won't be there. Pep Guardiola once again reveals himself to be a cunt. Do me a fucking favour, as if Jack Grealish needs to go play under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to progress his career. <laughs> that is absolutely a step backwards. Put this on record, United won't be within 10 points in the title. I, I genuinely believe that, and I'm not even trying to exaggerate, it's not hyperbole. Three, four games of, of bad run, United are out of the title race, like that, and that will happen to them, that will definitely happen. 
what gets Sean Dyche out of bed in the morning? <laughs> like, how does he do it? Imagine how exciting a job that would be. Imagine coming home and saying to your partner, I got a new job! I'm a football manager! <laughs> and then going out and doing that with it? What a waste of time! Steve Bruce is a greying pair of slazenger socks in the basket by the checkout that nobody wants. All right, let's start with the cheekiest spin by my pals in the media of the week. <laughs> and the winner... Well, actually, no, there's a couple of nominations here, but there's one person that I really want to crown winner straight away, and that's Sid Lowe, who writes in The Guardian, appears on ESPN. And he just had a little, little snipe at Aston Villa. Talked about Villa going from Potts to Tuchel to Emery. Almost like they don't really know what they want. <laughs> Look at this in a few different ways. I think it's very clear that what Villa want is the best manager they could get. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, for starters. I actually really applaud them for going for Pochettino and... Once, once the PSG, the outgoing PSG manager, isn't interested, then that's fine to move down the list and to go to Emery. Then I think it's really impressive. I think Villa, for a long time now, have been crying out for somebody to come in and just stamp their identity all over the club and take control and drag it in a certain direction. And getting somebody with a proven track record of that is good business. And also, question whether going from Pochettino to Tuchel to Emery. Is really that different? Is it? I, th I think they're all pretty pragmatic. They all, they all like analyzing other teams and finding weaknesses in them. They're like it's almost like they're good managers. Almost like they do know what they want as managers. And I don't know. I just thought this was a bit of a weird snipe from Sid Lowe at Aston Villa. Yeah, like imagine shooting for the stars and landing on the moon. You know, imagine imagine sequentially working your way down from what you think is the best you can get. But now imagine doing that and then stopping at someone third on your list who arguably has a better CV than numbers one and two anyway. How fucking embarrassing for Aston Villa. <laughs> and all all three of these guys as well were at PSG, and they all had they all had less. They all had a less successful season at PHG than they should have had. Emery won a cup double in his first year, but didn't win the title. But that was against a Monaco team that had Bakayoko, Fabinho, Bernardo Silva, Mbappe, and Falcao. So it was a good team. It's not like the modern-day Liga. Po Pochettino couldn't overhaul Lille's one-point lead with more than half the season to play. And Jertuko <laughs> got sacked because he was trailing Lille in the table. <laughs> and this, this was a Lille side still reeling from the loss of Anwar El Ghazi to Aston Villa the season before. <laughs> Pochettino, Pochettino didn't even win a treble at PSG. Like, I don't know. I don't even. I don't know why we were even after him. Like he, he couldn't figure. He couldn't figure out how to win the Coupe de France with Neymar, Messi, and Mbappe. It, like, Emery has been infinitely more successful. Infinitely more successful. The club's not at the very top. Like, he won. He won three Europa leagues in a row at Sevilla. He won. He won it again with Villarreal. The only other trophy they've ever won is the third division. But Pochettino cried when they won the Champions League semi-final. 
<laughs> he choked in the final on his own tears, probably. That was the same year Datuka was busy getting knocked out of the last 16 by Solskjaer's Man United, by the way. And yes, Tuchel won the Champions League with Chelsea. But your fucking Roberto Di Matteo did that. And we replaced him with Steve Bruce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's pretty well put. I think the second nomination has to go to my old friends at Talk Sport. <laughs> and it's not Trevor Sinclair. And it's not whoever else that we usually complain about. Maybe Gabby Agwell-Nohar. It's to Darren Ambrose. Who's trying to make a name for himself on TalkSport? And to, to Jamie O'Hara. They've been giving out about Davila players down in tools on Steven Gerrard. I mean, where do you start here? I understand people don't watch Aston Villa, but like, just go back. The two games were three days apart. Just, just check the teams to start off with. And immediately you would see that there's three changes from Thursday to Sunday. You would see that there's five changes of position. You would see the players are playing in a different formation. You would see that the whole negative energy has lifted. You would see that the man management is no longer there. I mean, once you start ticking off these boxes, maybe like you say, you could stand over that whiteboard and solve the puzzle that all the clues point in the direction of somebody else, not the Aston Villa fans being cunts. By the way, a manager is responsible for whether or not players down tools. I don't understand why... Why managers seemingly get like it's, it's only managers of a certain kind to the media, you know, somebody like an English legend, somebody who's a footballer who used to be a footballer that they want to be friends with. These are the people who get protected with this down and tools argument. But I don't understand why you would like, absolve a manager from blame because his players, he can't get his players to do a bit of work. They've literally put their tools down. Like that buck stops with a manager once the entire workforce have decided they no longer want to play. But it's also not what happened. They got somebody else in who was a coach sitting in the background for a year. And he just said, <laughs> okay, well, you play there, you play there. Um, Let's just go out and attack Brentford. Here's where they're going to find space. Just, just go there and that should work. And it did work. It worked so well that Villa created almost more chances in one game than they did in the first 11 <laughs> matches of the season. Like, it's not a coincidence. Maybe after a while... The common denominator isn't everybody else. Maybe it is Stephen Gerrard. I'm I'm reminded of last week when you asked me was I ready for my victory parade because I correctly predicted that Matt Target would be dropped by Christmas, <laughs> and I said I wasn't because that was predictable as Anwar El Ghazi scoring from a penalty. <laughs> and I'm, I'm reminded of it because I also on that same show correctly predicted that we should prepare ourselves for Gerrard's pals and a bunch of ex pros coming out and having a go at the players for down and tools. And I don't want any praise for that either because that was as predictable as Matt Target literally and figuratively falling flat in his face when faced with a winger who's been in the same room as a fucking leg press. And <laughs> it really is mad because they must know motivation, getting the most out of the team, maximizing everyone's potential is fundamental to management in mm. every profession. Like, I know Darren Ambrose and the like have, have sat in changing rooms calling their managers cunts. Yeah. And of course they have. I, I, know, I know they've liked some of their managers as well. I know they've played better under certain managers. They know that. They have to. So, so Darren Ambrose either thinks that some managers motivated him better and so he knows it's one of the marks of a good manager or he thinks that it was all him, which means he down tools some seat and he's a fucking hypocrite. <laughs> 
<laughs> so who's the winner here? It's actually very tough, isn't it? Is it Sid Lowe or is it Darren Ambrose and Jamie O'Hara? Ah, give it to Darren Ambrose and Jamie O'Hara. They've probably got a trophy cabinet made up for this fucking award at Talksport already. <laughs> yeah. I almost feel bad now that we didn't partner with Talksport when we had that opportunity at the start of the season. <laughs> <laughs> but, but think of all the content we'd be missing out on now. We wouldn't be able to just take a swing at them every so often. And such is their business model as well, so fair play to them. The Sam Allardyce we out tactics him award it has to be one winner here because obviously i'm going through the archives and i'm enjoying the library at the minute and i am enjoying you and i emery's master class on the coaching voice and it's also on youtube as well if you want to find it there sat down with a tactics board in front of them camera just behind the tactics board pointing at you and i emery and he's talking about sevilla three liverpool one but you know it's obviously it's it's in Spanish, but there's there's subtitles obviously. But it's um it's a good watch anyway. But I just really enjoyed the second half. I started the second half where they were one 0 down, and then he was just talking about what they were doing on the right hand side. <laughs> but what what the summation of his explanation was was that we were targeting Coutinho and Moreno on the left-hand side for Liverpool. <laughs> it was just, you know, we knew if we could get at them, we'd, we'd be able to get by them, really. And I thought, so simple, so smart, of course. And it obviously worked. It set up the first goal. And I wonder how Philip Coutinho will be feeling about you and Emery coming back in now, knowing what he knows about him as an opposition manager. Yeah, speaking of things that are easy to predict, fucking getting at Coutinho and Moreno. Um, I, I actually kind of, I actually kind of miss uh, Alberto Moreno. If I'm being honest, do, do you remember? Do you remember that Mignolet Lovren Moreno axis? It was, it was like the original De Gea Maguire Juan Bissaka, <laughs> without, without the hugely inflated transfer fees that comes with being English, and without the fucking the media mafia protection that comes with being English as well. And yeah, like we we've seen continues defending an action for ourselves as well. I mean, he's not exactly Johnny Cochran. I mean. If, if Phil was defending OJ, he would have given him a hand to get the fucking glove on. <laughs> but this it's re- it's really exciting because how many times, how many times have we asked Gerard to even have a cursory glance at the opposition? Like how many times have we called for him to try to figure out where the space is and how we're gonna hurt them? And he just never did. It's unbelievable that we've now got a manager. We've now got a manager, Conan, that has figured out how to get at the opposition. It's incredible. It's <laughs> exhilarating and depressing that that's the case yeah well if you go back speaking of victory laps for you if you go back to Sunday's podcast you did a very basic requirement you said that the club should be looking at a manager who wants to figure out how to beat teams <laughs> <when he's coming laughs> up I'm paraphrasing what you're looking for but that's basically it in a nutshell a manager who will set his team up to try and score against other teams and you know unfortunately when we did tell Gerard to have a cursory look at the opposition that resulted in him saying all right Makash get out Jan Bednarek come in because Mitrovic <laughs> is there I've looked at the opposition and I do not like what I see yeah exactly but that's the that's the fear that kind of encompassed Gerard's certainly his last 20 25 games that he was in charge of the club it was how are we going to stop the opposition from scoring as opposed to how are we going to score ourselves and we're far too used to this being fans of the Irish football team as well and haven't seen a succession of managers more focused on how to 
limit the opposition as opposed to how to maximize your own potential yeah. and get at the opposition's limitations as well a new category the oh. Ashley Young don't swallow it spit it out I want <laughs> And the winner has to go to Gwian Balligy. Now, I have been enjoying Gwian Balligy's talk about you and I, Emery, and I am very conscious of the fact that I've seen Gwian Balligy use his formula before. A manager who's either Spanish or has worked in the Spanish league gets hired by an English club. And Balligy's your man. He will appear on every single show, on every podcast, on every YouTube channel, and he'll tell you what a great fucking acquisition this is. <laughs> and I've, I've watched it as a non-Villa fan before and thought, I know what you're doing. Like this, this means nothing anymore, but I have to say, I am enjoying what he's talking about now. <laughs> you know, Emery. I think he's speaking a lot of sense about, you know, Emery's reputation, but he did annoy me in one occasion, hence the spit it out category. He's come on with his little wry smile. And he said, I know who the assistant coach will be, but I cannot tell you. Let's just say he's a European cup winner. Is it Steven Gerrard? <laughs> yeah this you're right this is absolutely classic Balagi, isn't it he's made a career of saying saying he knows things as opposed to saying what he knows i mean anytime he has ventured into the realm of giving the world the gospel according to game it is either completely unsubstantiated and turns out to be bollocks or is blindingly obvious or is recycled and repackaged with the Sky Sports yellow banner, and that is it. I mean, he he probably has a job, if we're being honest, because he's Spanish, and that means he knows more about La Liga. And fair play to him. Like, maybe I should just launch a career working for Sky Sports Spain, pretend that I know about the Premier League, instead of just coming across as bitter about someone as limited as Balagi having a career in football. And I, and I think I could do it as well. You can imagine me sitting there now, just Gerard Esuncano, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> what does Kanye mean? Cult. <laughs> That's exactly what I would have guessed as well. <laughs> there was a great story, you know, one of those tweets that just goes around. People automatically put it underneath any thread, really. Um, and it was about Gwen Balagay. This was years ago. It was when people started to cop on to his formula. And it was just somebody pretending Gwen Balagay was working in a shop and somebody was asking for whatever he had behind the counter and Gwen Balagay was saying that he didn't have it and he was saying it with such conviction, saying it with that little smile on his face and you know, this guy doesn't understand that they don't have it, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then when the customer ended up pointing out, like showing him plain as day, there it is right over your right shoulder, Gwen Balagay turned around and said, no, the situation has changed. <laughs> <laughs> And then proceeded to tell him that that was there for a very specific reason because the situation has changed and I'll tell you why it's there right now. <laughs> anyway, questions we can't answer, but you want us to anyway. <laughs> Our Man City finished? <laughs> I mean, this podcast started with a plea from one Aston Villa fan to two Aston Villa fans saying, please, please stay in our lane. But you know what? While we're off the lane, let's... Uh, Let's see if Man City are finished or not. Let's just take it the whole way. I don't know. I'm starting to... I actually am starting to wonder. There's an Arsenal fan in the office and 
I think he's absolutely crazy. Like, actually, all day today, I've just kept saying to him, have you cashed out yet? Because <laughs> he's put on a bet, fucking 100 quid bet as well, um, that Arsenal are going to win the league, which is nuts anyway. But he found himself in this position that Arsenal are ahead and they were four points ahead until the weekend. And at that stage, I asked him what the cash out was and he said it was a grand. I said, well, surely you would take that now because it's never going to be more valuable. Like It's just <laughs> going to keep decreasing now until you don't win the league. And he's hanging on to it. He's basically throwing away a thousand quid. But now I have to wonder. And I, I, still don't think, I still don't think Arsenal are going to win the league. And I remember they don't have you and I Emery in charge. <laughs> City are faltering a little bit. Like if you look at it, that's that's now four games. The last four games they haven't scored in three of them. Very unlikely. One of them was against Copenhagen. <laughs> One of them against Liverpool, who everybody's beaten, apart from Ajax tonight in fairness. And you know, one was against Dortmund there. And then the other game was against Brighton. And I watched that match in Brighton. It's hard to tell, you know, if Brighton were better than them because you're always looking at it through the prism of City opposition. But they were definitely one of the the best opponents that I've seen City face so far. And that they, not just on the ball, and they were good on the ball, but they were all over them, off the ball as well. City weren't able to just pick them apart as easily. Haaland was able to run through at one stage, past Lewis Dunk. And Kevin De Bruyne was able to whip one under the top corner. And then on another occasion, Bernardo Silva stole a, a penalty that was never a penalty. So... Like, I actually think even in that game, it was very, like, Pep Guardiola got very nervous very early as well. Of course he did. And then he starts, like, this is when Pep starts making weird decisions now as well. And I don't know, that's, it's only four game sample, but it's it's not a good sample from a Man City point of view. Well, <laughs> a very fitting response. What's going on here, mate? This, this is as bad as the time. This is as bad as the time as you were calling out Calling out Eddie Howe for only one in one game in five. <laughs> <laughs> I think at the time I said they've only lost one in five as well, Conan, and I think that's still the case after another seven games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the situation has changed. <laughs> I say it's like that Newcastle call is actually way worse. But no, seriously, I am I am beginning to think that they won't win the Champions League. Yeah. Sorry. What what I mean is because of how they play, even even now with Haaland at it, the really top teams shouldn't lose to them. Like I think it's really easy for and really effective for teams with brilliant players to sit in and keep it tight. Like They, they just have to be prepared to do it. That's it. You just have to motivate your players and get them to get a bit of buy-in to do it. So your fucking Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, aside from Klopp, is probably the only other manager with a positive record uh, against Guardiola. Like he, he didn't he didn't get that by asking Maguire to do rainbow flicks with the ball to McTominay. He did it by just sitting in and, and and trying to get Man City to break them down, which they couldn't. And I and I know they didn't have a whole lot to play for last night, but they were pathetic trying to get through Dortmund. And they they do have a tendency to move the ball too slowly, very easily falling into that possession trap, that risk aversion. I mean even if you think about how they've played against us, they've only beaten us by more than one goal once in the last six games, and that was a last-minute penalty. We're not good, Con. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I and I also think they can be got at. I mean, sure, all you have to do is play the ball at waist height or above in the general direction of John Stones and even Stephen Gerrard had that one figured out. <laughs> yeah, look, it's definitely an interesting one. It just adds a little. <laughs> 
ah, it's not that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying they are finished, but I'm saying that it's better. It's better than what I felt a few weeks ago, where everything just felt inevitable. They were going to stroll to the league, which they, they probably still will. But I did declare that they were going to win the Champions League, and now I genuinely actually think the situation changed in my head. I know <laughs> where I'm like, yeah, I'm sort of like you. I always think of the Ireland examples. I say under Martin O'Neill. Martin O'Neill did well enough with Ireland, but the thing was that he had a lot of like decent players, prim- players playing in the Premier League. You know what I mean? When you tell players at that standard to sit tight and, and do this job, like they're pretty good at it. It's hard for teams to break them down, and that's Ireland. So what you're saying about the top teams, imagine you can get the top teams to be that disciplined and stay in that shape and be that dogged. It will be very tough. And yeah, City have just gotten into that habit anyway where it is too it's too easy for them to fall back on keeping the ball and going through the patterns but when teams aren't being pulled apart by their pausa by their changing of pace around the midfield then they do run into problems and it's been down to De Bruyne curling one in or uh, obviously curling across in and Haaland doing something special and they, they can still do that that's that's going to be the point but the thing is that people can also limit them way more than maybe I thought they could like they brought on and we're, don't worry, we're not going to talk about Jack Grealish, but when they brought him on in the last 10 minutes against Dortmund, I was like, this is not the man they need to solve what's happening here tonight. You know, they, He brought him on to try and address the slow play and players coming back. And it was a weird one because they, had, they ended up with a Kanji and Stones at fullback. So they have Foden or Jack Grealish, whoever it was, playing the ball back to these boys. Like It's just, it's all wrong. It's weird. Yeah, and John Stones was playing centre midfield. Then he was dictating play in a in a number ten position for the last ten minutes of that game as well. <laughs> and yeah, look, they they haven't scored in three of their last four games. The four previous to that, they scored eighteen though. So <laughs> maybe they're not finished. All right, yeah, it's a working theory. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll collect some more samples and see how it goes. Uh, we're back. We're playing Newcastle. Actually, speaking of Eddie Howe, playing Newcastle this weekend podcast might not drop on Saturday might be Sunday although again I haven't spoken to you Liam so maybe I should just take <laughs> I should just take production meetings off air the podcast will be out at the weekend at some stage and uh, we'll chat to you then thanks a million for everybody who shares it on and um, recommends to other people that we should listen really appreciate it and it, it always go a long way we're just um, oh my god I was just going to say we're just two boys out here trying to create some content oh my god like what an awful way that would have been to <laughs> end the podcast but we are we are just two lads who who do need your help to share it on so please do share it on if you do get the chance anyway thanks for listening and uh, see you at the weekend that wind is calling my name and I-